You've heard of BetaShares. You've probably seen the logo on our podcast. You might even be among their 1 million investors. So you can imagine that I'm delighted to say BetaShares is the official ETF partner of the Australian Finance Podcast. With nearly 100 exchange-traded funds, you can go to betashares.com.au and immerse yourself in ETFs and unique insights covering all of the sectors, themes, core and satellite positions you could want. Think cybersecurity through the Hack ETF, robotics and AI with the RBTZ ETF, and uranium with the URNM ETF. The list goes on. To explore the BetaShares ETF range, visit betashares.com.au, read the relevant PDS and TMD on the website, and consider if the fund is right for you. BetaShares Capital Limited is the issuer. Is there a Spotify wrapped for investing? If you want to invest in shares or ETFs, our friends at Perla are more than one step ahead of the curve. On average, people who use Perla invest $1,750 every month. That's what we want to see, proper dollar cost averaging. With automated investing tools making your life simple, Perla investors have well and truly mastered the art of investing small bits lots of times. So if you're ready to start growing your net worth in 2024, follow the link in your Spotify or Apple podcast player right now to discover how you can get started today. Hey there, here's a quick note. This podcast contains general financial advice only. That means it's not specific to you, your needs, goals, or objectives. So don't act on the information until you've spoken with your financial advisor. You'll find our full disclosure, disclaimer, and link to our financial services guide in the show notes. I'm your host, Kate Campbell, and my guest today is Claudine Shishpotish, a high-performance mindset coach to everyone from world champion athletes to thought leaders and executives. We're going to be talking about how you can win the money game and how to develop a high performance mindset to set yourself up for success in all areas of your life and to help us reach our financial goals. Welcome, Claudine, to the Australian Finance Podcast today. Hi, Kate. Thanks so much for having me. It is wonderful to have you here and it's a beautiful day in Melbourne, so I'm very excited to record this even though it's remotely. No, that's perfect. I'm happy that you've got a gorgeous day. It brings the vibes and uh, it helps to make everything better. We're going to be talking today about a lot of things that listeners may not be actively thinking about, but are critical Mm. to their long-term success in all aspects of their lives. Specifically, I really want to dive in with you, Claudine, into Mm -hmm. strategies and practices in relation to creating a winning high-performance mindset and other types of mindsets that might be holding us back from reaching our goals and Mm. even specifically today, our financial goals. And given how ambitious most of our listeners are, especially from everything I see in our Facebook community and the questions Mm. we get sent in, um, we know that you believe that building your financial future is super important. So this is a topic today that we don't talk about too often, but I really want to learn personally, and I hope you will as well. So Claudine, maybe if you can just give us a brief rundown on maybe what you do, what a high-performance mindset and a a winning mindset is. Okay, great. Sure. Thanks, Kate. Uh, And, you know, I'm really excited to um, be with your high-performing and ambitious audience. You know, I really really resonate. You know, I love high-performers. I love love high-performers, perfectionists, overachievers, and just people who have that drive. So, you know, um, they're, they're the core audience that I work with. And you know what, respectfully, that's me, um, to, to varying degrees. And, um, 
And so what, what actually is, you know, well, let's first of all answer what do I do? So I work with leaders uh, in government, in corporations, entrepreneurs, and I work with, um, you know, athletes at a, at a national and international level who are really understanding that in order for them to be their best self and to perform at the level that they want to perform, whether it's, you know, driving high-performing teams in a big organisation or at a government level, or whether or not they want to become a contender and step on the podium at the world titles or, you know, even qualify for the Olympics, you know, they, those types of things, you know, it's it's really critical to understand the role that your your mindset plays in how you show up to life. And so I'm in that space because I've spent the last 20 years being pretty obsessed around my own mindset and how that drives how I think, how I feel, and then how I act. And this really all drives how I perform. So in terms of what is a high-performance mindset or what's a winning mindset, So I used to think that having a winning mindset, really, it was just one thing. It was around standing on top of the podium and it was winning another title, another tournament, you know, yet again and again and again. And I used to think that that was what having a winning mindset was. But then in 2003, I competed in my first ever World Karate Championships and, you know, um, the term world needs to be... uh, recognized a little loosely here because it it was really all of the countries that participated in the karate club that I was a part of. So we can effectively say it was a major, it was an international tournament. And this was my first international tournament competing as a rookie new black belt. And I, you know, I had never competed at this level before, but of course, being the overachiever that I was, (laughs) I said that I've got to win this. And, you know, up until this point, I I really didn't have great karate. You know, it took me a long time to get good at karate, but I just made a decision that I was going to win anyway because, you know, I've got that pretty ambitious, bullish mindset that that says if you believe you you can do it. And this mindset took me a pretty long way. And even though my skills were were lacking, I managed to get myself all the way into the finals. But in the finals, I couldn't outperform the competitor that I had in front of me. And respectfully, she was just better than me. She had been in the game longer. She was more experienced. She, you know, she was the world reigning world, all styles world champion. And she was just the better performer and she won. And I had the belief system that second place was the first loser. And I came second at my first ever major international tournament and I should have been really proud of myself and I should have supported myself and, and, you know, gone, wow, that's an amazing achievement. But instead I beat myself up a lot and felt like a total loser. And it didn't just happen for five minutes. Like I felt that way for pretty much, I felt sick to my stomach for like a year afterwards, like reflecting on that tournament. And I realized how unhealthy and how unhelpful and how actually inaccurate my definition of having a winning mindset was. So if winning, if having a winning mindset was only being the winner, did that mean that everything after that made me a loser? And actually it did, you know, to to me. And I realized as the years went on, I needed a much more sustainable model and definition of what 
having a true heart. You know, I never would have looked at any of the other competitors the same way. I never looked at someone else in second place and thought, you loser. It was just this special treatment I reserved for myself, you know. And I realized that, you know, it was just radically incorrect, unhelpful, and it wasn't serving me. So to anyone who's listening, you know, I'd like for you to consider, um, do you have any of these core beliefs like I had that whilst they can drive exceptional performance and make you feel like a winner, there can also be this double-edged sword. And maybe, you know, is that really cultivating the the person that you most want to be with the outcomes that you most want to be feeling like a winner, feeling like a loser, you know? So what do you, um, what do you think about that, Kate? I think it's interesting because it often comes back to that. How do we, how we talk to ourselves is really different to how we talk to our friends and family. And um, I remember listening to a podcast where they said actually writing out all the things you think about yourself and then showing it to a, would you say those things to your best friend or to your sister or your mum? And you often wouldn't because they're not very nice. And so, yeah, I think it's really interesting how we, we judge ourselves versus how we would judge others and we very different standards there. Mm. Yes. And so, you know, thinking about, you know, you know, what is a winning mindset? So today I think, you know, a winning mindset is, is someone who, who I think that you're a winner, honestly, if you're just someone who puts it all out there, if you are someone who gives your A game all the time and you're always striving to be a better version of who you are, that for me is a winner. And the result and the outcome, I personally believe, will always be inevitable because you're winning at life. You are playing all in. You're not leaving your potential like somewhere locked away. You're not playing small, but you're also enjoying the journey because, you know, as cliched as it sounds, you know, life is not one moment in time. It is not any, you know, you are not your bank account. You are not your shares. These are a reflection of you, but they are not you. And we, I believe that we all deserve to, you know, feel fantastic as we move through life and enjoy each day, regardless of how things may fluctuate. And some days we get a great outcome and sometimes we don't. That's like life. You know, it's like, do we want to only be happy when it's sunny? And do we want to say, oh, well, you know, every day that it rains is a bad day? Or can we learn to appreciate all of it? Absolutely. And I think that's a really good place for, for listeners to start with for today's episode. And I thought we should also mention that there'll be a workbook for listeners to go through because there's going to be so many things to digest and unpack after listening to today's episode that Claudine and our team have put together a workbook to help you uh, reflect a little bit more deeply. Mm, yeah. And you know what? You know, I'm such a nerd, Kate. I was so excited <laughs> when, we, when we could, you know, create this workbook because it's one thing to talk about it, but the real shift comes from actually stopping and saying, oh, well, what are the, you know, like, oh, that's interesting that she had those really destructive mindsets. Okay. Well, maybe I can find mine. And so I'm really delighted that Rask, you know, we've, we've, teamed up to to create this workbook for your listeners because it's really practical and you know mindset can be a bit fluffy let's be honest you know it can be a little wishy-washy and I'm not into that I want actual outcomes and results for people and I want to take what's invisible and non-tangible and I want to make it really tangible so that we can see oh this is how my mindset impacts how I show up and then if we want different results in how we show up and the results we get 
then we can do that by, you know, understanding what that trajectory is. And we'll mention it again throughout the episode, but all the links will be in the show notes as well. So if that does catch your attention, uh, definitely have a look after it. And Claudine, we often get caught up in the game of more, better, faster, and Mm. the goalposts always keep moving. And this applies to many areas of our lives, not just our finances. But can we ever win the money game or is pursuing this endless goal going to lead us to unhappiness? Yeah, and, you know, I think that, I think first and foremost, absolutely, yes, we can win any game that we want. But if all we ever do is change the rules of the game, so moving the goalposts is effectively changing the rules of the game. And if that's what we're doing, then respectfully, no, we're not going to win any game at all. We're going to constantly feel not enough by saying, I'll be happy when, and so for me, it was, I'll be happy when I win this title. I'll feel proud of myself when, oh, oh, but now I want a better, you know, spinning hook kit. Now I want this. Now I want that net, right? And it was this, you know, I don't just want to win one. I want to win two. I want to win three. I want to win 10. I want, oh my word. And this voracious appetite for more and next and next. Now, what I'm not saying is to dial down the ambition, right? That's not the answer. But can we manage how we play the game, understanding that we have this, you know, unbelievable level of ambition and drive inside of us? So I'm not interested in anyone dialing down their ambition. But my question is, can you set the rules up so that you play to win all the time? And you might say, oh, you know, that is just so like every kid gets a certificate. And that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, How can you set it up for yourself so that you feel like you are winning? And in my experience, when we are progressing, when we are living our fullest potential, those two things alone typically make us feel like we are winning. You know, when we're moving forward, when we're making progress, um, one of my clients, Joe Ward, he's a um, he's an ultra runner and he's an Australian champion. He he's a phenomenal athlete. And one of his principles is if you're moving, you're winning. And he wins huge, huge races from this principle. You know, he'll he'll do a tempo where he'll do 13 minutes jog and then it, it might be, say, uh, a 24 to 36-hour race. So no sleeping, no stop, right? Wow. And from the beginning, yeah, it's mind-boggling, right? But from the beginning, he'll have a pace and then he'll walk and everyone's overtaking him right from the start. But he knows that if you're moving, you're winning and he can sustain a pace that after about 12 hours, that's when they start dropping. And this is when he says, oh, I'm just getting into my comfort zone, you know, and he keeps that same tempo, would you believe, the entire race, you know, and obviously the strategy varies. But the point is like run your race the way that you want to play. And so if you're looking over here at Susan and Bob and John and saying, well, they've got this money and I need to do this and that, you're not playing your game. You're playing their game. And you don't know what the terms and conditions are for fulfillment. So that's not a way to win the money game. If we want to win the money game, we need to, one, to determine what does success look like? What does winning look like? And then two, Am I sure that this is serving me or am I just doing this because I think it's going to impress other people? 
Yeah. And I think that comes back to figuring out your own goals and what you want to achieve. Because I mean, one of the favorite terms to Google is XYZ celebrity net worth. Um, And I think it's really interesting that we keep searching this, that it doesn't really have any effect on our own lives, but we, we like to find out this information. Yes. And maybe it's aspirational, Hmm. you know, like maybe we just say, wow, you know, like so-and-so is worth, you know, $20 million. That's amazing. And it, I I really like aspirational things because they show you what's possible and it stretches your mind. That's what I like about it. People doing the exceptional thing. It shows me, oh my God, I, one of the things that I always love to do, and I've been doing this for years is what sort of person, what's the mindset of a person like that? How do they think that this is why I've always been digging into mindset. So if someone earns X, if someone has a gross, you know, um, you know, uh, net worth, their net worth is X or Y, how do they think and feel about money? What are their principles? You know, what are their, what are their first principles? What is the game that they are playing? Cause I guarantee that it's going to be different from my game <laughs> or, or your game. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's something really good to reflect on is what game you're playing and that it's not going to be the same as all your friends and family and therefore just Mm. comparing your numbers to their numbers doesn't really help you that much unless it's that aspirational thing. Yeah, and I think that sort of what's – I think that what's very important as well is what's the underlying value system? So, for example, what do you value more? And for your listeners to consider, what do you value more? Do you value zeros or do you value being an entrepreneur? Like, do you want to go and get employment and have employment in a, in a huge consulting firm? Or does your do you have an entrepreneurial spirit that says, you know, I'm going to take every bit of what I'm doing and reinvest it back into my business because I just really need to be my own boss or whatever it is. And so understanding, you know, what what's your value system? A lot of people's happiness and sense of self-worth and, you know, their contribution and service can respectfully be bought for $150,000 a year. You know, they might sign up to a job and, and, and it might be compromising who they really are, it might be compromising their passion for being creative or for being, you know, they might be doing work that they don't find particularly interesting and is really below their skill set, but they want that $150,000 paycheck or whatever paycheck they're getting. And um, someone else might say, you know what, I just want to go to work every day and feel fantastic and do something that I love. And that's their driving force. So it's about understanding that your value system isn't the same as your sister's or your mother's or your dad's or anyone's. But when it's about having that inner strength to acknowledge this is who I am and I'm going to unapologetically be myself and live my truest values. Absolutely. And I think in doing that, many of us would self-describe ourselves when it's come to our careers or the way we want to manage our finances as high performers, or we want to fall Mm. into that category eventually. Are you able to talk a little bit more? I know we mentioned mindset, but what does a high performance mindset look like? Maybe some of us are already in that mindset or we're aspiring to be. Okay. So I think that, you know, I, I believe that a high performance mindset ultimately is a mindset that serves you, that brings out the best in you, and it's a mindset that you love. So I don't think that a mindset that sabotages yourself and tells you that you're not good enough and sort of is whipping you into performance, is that really a high performance mindset? Is that you? So you might say, oh, well, that yields fantastic results. 
But is that a high quality life? Is that a high performing level of day-to-day life? For me, the answer is no. Everyone is free to choose their own definition of what a high performance mindset actually looks like. But for me, it's a, a mindset that encourages you it takes you to another level and it's a mindset that supports you. And really it's a mindset that harness you harness to become an ever better version of yourself. Now, how do we go about doing that? So I actually think that there are six keys to creating a high performance mindset. Um, and, you know, listeners can, these are all mapped out on, uh, on, my, on my webpage um, where listeners can go to. These aren't in the workbook, but they're easily found. So, without unpacking every one of them in detail, what fuels a high-performance mindset? So there's no cookie-cutter rule here. What's a high-performance mindset for me isn't necessarily a high-performance mindset for someone else because we're totally different people. We've got different belief systems. We've got different uh, ambition levels. We've got different philosophies. We've got different values. So there's no one size fits all around what a high performance mindset is and must and should be. However, I believe that these six key components help us to fuel and to define what is a high performance mindset for me and for you. So the first key is mindset by design. And what this really means is not showing up on autopilot not just sort of believing in things and, and, and adopting the belief systems of maybe your family or the environment or what others think you need to be, but it's really about defining, you know, what am I going to choose to believe about and think about myself and um, really being clear around designing the type of mindset that you want to have and just not showing up on autopilot. So the second one is self-awareness. So if I'm not aware of how I think about things, then I'm really unable to course correct. I'm unable, like imagine if I've got an athlete who is just really unaware of how they're competing or how they're training. We don't have a high performing athlete here. So we really need high levels of awareness, of self-awareness, and it needs to be accurate. It's got to be accurate self-awareness to drive a high performance mindset. I also think that emotional intelligence feeds into it as well because I used to think that we only needed mindset. And then after the World Cup in 2003, I realized, oh, my God, I did not have a handle on my emotions at all. Like they were taking me to play. They were running my life. It wasn't the other way around. And so I realized as well, like as I got older, I realized that life is also relationships and performance is founded on the quality of our relationships the relationship we have with ourselves and the relationship we have with others. And we need advanced levels of emotional intelligence in order to be able to get advanced levels of performance. And then key, the fourth key is core beliefs. So what do I believe to be true? What do I believe about money? What do I believe about myself? What do I believe my limitations are? What do I believe, you know, is possible? And those core beliefs define our mindset And then growth mindset is the fifth key. And this is how much am I able to grow and stretch my thinking so that I can become my ideal self and be an ever, you know, sort of evolving person and human and performer. And then the sixth and final key is what I believe is a still mind. So it's not a mindset that's always racing and constantly searching and yearning. 
But if we look at, you know, getting into a flow state or when life is just sort of, you know, uh, fluid and easy and creating and, you know, the wealth just sort of, it's, it's this really um, free-flowing sort of level of performance, that's a really advanced and extremely elite high level of performance where it's just this flywheel and it's almost like this sort of effortless effortlessness that doesn't come from a busy chaotic crazy intense you know judgmental mind it comes from a mind that's free and it comes from a mind that's more still and calm so that's why I believe that a still mind really feels a high performance mindset as well yeah these are definitely some of them sound quite challenging to achieve really I I don't think I quite have a still mind yet but the first one you mentioned of um, running on autopilot I think that affects Mm -hmm. a lot of us and just because we take a lot of those beliefs from growing up mm-hmm. and how our family and friends spoke about money and sometimes we don't mm-hmm. even realise that it's affecting us today. 1,000%. You know, I, and that's why this is the first, this is why it's my first key because it really sort of wakes us up from this, you know, hypnosis. It's like we're hypnotised by this social conditioning, you know, men should be earning that, women should be earning that, we need to be doing these things to earn money. You know, we have all of these rules and core beliefs around, you know, where money comes from and how much we can make and how much of a grind it is or isn't. And, you know, so how much of that did we just inherit? And is it really true? And some of us can be great at breaking these cycles and break and understanding that we all have core like beliefs and and thoughts that are actually not even true but we just sort of can't really stop them because they've Mm -hmm. become so they've become part of our conditioning so I think that you know it's really it's a lot isn't it you know I agree like those six elements those things that feel like this is now if we're talking like absolute you know i'm talking this is the path i believe to you know absolute phenomenal performance top one percenter top best of the best you know towards enlightenment not everyone is that hardcore claudine like you know (laughs) some of us just want to be doing really well with our portfolio so okay perfect so we want to say okay well what are my beliefs around money what are my beliefs around earning and making money and are they helpful are they true? Where did they come from? So that's a really important thing. Where did they come from? So where did our mindsets come from? They typically came from three. They come from three places broadly. The The first one is the country and the culture that we all grew up in. So the country, if we grew up in an affluent society, we all by default will naturally gravitate towards the level of affluence in our society. If I grew up in Monaco where there was a lot more money, I bet I'd be a lot more financially wealthy. If I grew up in the middle of the jungle, I bet I'd be, I'd have a lot less money. You know, our environment determines us in many, many ways until we can consciously break free from that. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first one that forms our mindset is the country and the culture that we grew up in. And the second one is either your direct family or the people that you grew up with. What did you hear people saying about money, about, you know, how hard it was to make or um, how easy it was to make? Were you given lots of lavish, lavish gifts? You probably naturally are very good at accumulating wealth because you just grew up thinking that this is natural. Mm-hmm. Someone else who grew up in a lot more struggle will find that a lot harder to achieve simply because their kind of inner thermostat 
is set to I'm here to struggle and the, you know and we're not here to struggle you know well we can shift that core belief if we want if people would like to and then the final one and this is the most important one it's our self-talk it's how we think to ourselves so do we want to keep repeating the stories that we heard growing up or that we've heard about money, you know what, if they're helpful and productive and they make you feel amazing and they add value to you and to others, perfect, keep them. And if they don't, let's put them under the spotlight and say, hey, do we really want to continue this for the rest of my life or do we want to create a better self-talk, a more helpful, supportive self-talk that's going to serve me and others? Yeah, there's a lot of those things and I often see from listeners and myself and my friends that we say, like that thing going around in your head, like I'm not good with money. I don't have time to right. deal with money. I can never learn about money. It's all just too hard. It's not for me. It's for other people. Yeah. So I think that's quite interesting because there's a lot of things that hold us back that maybe we weren't told growing up, but somehow along the way we got those re- tracks playing in our head on repeat. Right. And I mean, Kate, you've just done such a brilliant job of identifying a lot of, you know, potential core beliefs that, you know, some of our listeners might have around money. You know, you know, the, the, as, as long as we continue to say, I'm just not good with money, well, guess what? You know, you are going to live in line with that identity that you have of yourself and your identity is shaped off the back of your core beliefs. And we can say, well, I haven't been great with money up until this point but this is where having a a flexible mindset comes in this is where the growth mindset comes in but first we need to say self-awareness how do I think about money oh my gosh I just realized like I'm saying some of those things that Kate just said out loud to myself oh my gosh like how is that impacting my my earning capacity how is that impacting my, my ability to negotiate or to whatever it is and then I'm giving everyone 100% full permission to change that inner script. But first we've got to become aware of that narrative. And it, it's not its not a false affirmation. I don't want people to start be, you know, chanting these affirmations. We just want to identify that we've got a narrative going on in our heads that has um, been a dialogue for some time. And now we're allowed because we're conscious human beings we're not fixed in stone, we're not stuck, we're not broken, but we can start to, I just like dialing it down. Just mm-hmm. when that voice comes up and it says, oh, you know, you, oh, well, hang on just a minute. Like just because I wasn't great with money in the past, let me just dial that down because I'm listening to these podcast episodes now and I'm doing these RASC courses and you know what, I'm actually improving. Isn't that more accurate? Actually, it is accurate, right? Because that is what your audience is doing. Yeah. And they're becoming, and so that's a more accurate narrative. Quite often our self-belief and our our self-talk, it's actually false if we really examine it or it's only partially correct. So if we're listening right now and going, okay, I haven't actually thought too much about unpacking my mindset or some of these scripts that have been going, and I've just been sort of dealing with my money on autopilot so far I'm just going okay maybe I should listen to some podcasts or read a book or learn some of the basics and then I'll figure out the next steps from there if you want to start thinking about how your culture and your family and even your self-talk is impacting your current financial mindset um, and maybe how it's impacting your progress towards your financial goals where do you even start 
Mm. Okay. Well, Kate, you start with your amazing podcast, I would say. (laughs) You've got got all this wealth of information there. And I think that we can sort of start, you know, um, creating new identities um, in two different ways. We can do it from the outside in and we can also do it from the inside out. So I can shift my mindset and I can shift how I think about myself through my actions. So let's say... um, Let's say I'm working with an athlete and they don't believe that they're a contender. They don't believe that they're going to get on top of the podium. My go- my job is to work out how I can get them to take on that new identity and have core beliefs and thoughts and emotions that says, I am worthy of being a winner. I'm going to stand on that podium because I can. So how do we do that? Well, number one, we can actually get them to do activities that are in line with being a champion or someone who is worthy of being in that position. So asking questions like, if I was a champion, what sort of thoughts would I have? How would I talk to myself? How would I think to myself? How would I act? What are the sorts of ways that I would um, look after myself? How would I train? And we have a whole lot of practical exercises that we can actually start doing and embodying. So we can do it from our actions. Let's take your, your listeners, for example, they can go and do any of your free courses. And the more courses that they do, the more they're going to start saying, actually, I feel really quite proud of myself. I've just done this course or I've done this or, you know, and they're starting to take actions that are realigning their identity with a more healthy and sustainable view around how they manage money. So that's one way. The other way is that we can actually go within and we can examine our beliefs, our thoughts and our feelings and how we act towards money. And so that's why in the workbook, we've got that iceberg model there. That iceberg model, can I just say, is I cannot emphasize enough how powerful that model is if your listeners do this exercise and apply it. I have changed hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of lives with this one activity, and I do it within 90 minutes if I'm working one-on-one with a client. And we've put it in the workbook because we really want it to be super valuable to everyone. So if, if, um, if, if you don't have the workbook in front of you right now, then just imagine an iceberg. Now, we all know an iceberg model or a version of it. So we've got 90% of it or 80% of it, whatever the percentage, underwater. And then we've just got the tip of the iceberg, which is above the surface. Okay. So the stuff that's above the surface, the stuff that's visible, these are our behaviors and our actions. This is all the stuff that I can see and everyone else can tangibly see. But then underneath that, we have got things like our emotions and how we feel about life and ourselves. We've got our thoughts, how we think about things, and then we've got our core beliefs. So what happens is a lot of the time people try and attack change or create change at the level of the actions and behaviors. They say, I just need to have more discipline. I just need to not spend money on lattes. I just need to do this and that with my money. I need to make, and we're trying to attack it at the at this surface level of our actions and behaviors. So what I do is I go right down deep and I say, what do I truly believe about money? Oh, I truly believe that, you know, I'm, 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 I'm just terrible with money. Let's say I have that as a core belief. Then the if we follow the iceberg model up and I say what are my core beliefs and then what are the thoughts that I have off the back of that so my core beliefs are and you just said a whole bunch of them Kate before you know um my core belief is 
it's just too hard. I don't know where to start, whatever their core, but like no matter, my core belief could be no matter how much I make, it's never going to be enough. Hey listeners, it's Kate here. What an episode. This conversation with Claudine was so massive and we covered so many topics that we decided to split it into two parts, which is why the episode may have felt like it ended quite suddenly. So stay tuned for part two coming very soon where we're going to keep unpacking that iceberg model that Claudine just mentioned and how to use it in your own life. And we've got an awesome workbook, which is in the show notes that you can definitely check out there. How do you not give up on your money journey, even when you make mistakes, because that's really hard and often holds us back from moving forwards. We're going to talk about how to set the right financial goals for you and stop the goalposts from continuously moving so you can really win your own money game and not anybody else's. And really going to talk about the cost of comparing yourselves with other people and the impact that can have on your own financial journey and on your own health and well-being. So I really hope you enjoyed part one with Claudine. I hope you check out the show notes because there is going to be an awesome workbook in there that you could download for free, like many of our things. Uh, to check out as well. So thanks for listening and stay tuned for part two. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Australian Finance Podcast, where our mission is to improve the financial futures of all Australians. If you'd like to learn more, create a free account at rusk.com.au forward slash account to download free episode workbooks, bonus resources, and take our amazing free personal finance courses. You can also join our online community by following the link in the description. If you enjoyed the show, what we'd love is for you to leave us a snappy review on iTunes. And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Rask Australia. Kate and I are also on both of those channels. Finally, if you have any feedback, suggestions for episodes or guests to come on the show, or you just have a question for us, shoot us an email at podcast at rask.com.au. Are you thinking about starting your wealth creating journey, but not sure where to put your hard earned dollars? InvestSmart can help. InvestSmart offers a free quiz that makes it easy to find the right InvestSmart ETF portfolio to help you reach your goals. Just visit investsmart.com.au and hit get started. Answer a few simple questions about your goals and how much you want to invest and you'll get a tailored statement of advice with a portfolio recommendation. You can visit investsmart.com.au for a no-obligations free statement of advice. This ad is brought to you by InvestSmart Advice, AFSL 334107. For more than a decade, I've been hunting for the best investors and their methods, strategies, and tools for investing. After years in the industry, countless books, a few degrees, and 1,000 podcasts and live shows, I've rolled this accumulated knowledge into something called Rask Invest. If you've ever heard me talk about a core and a satellite, active and passive, true long-term compounding, or you simply want to know exactly how I would invest, now is your chance. Rask Invest is our new investment service, designed for all types of investors who want professional management of their core portfolio at a low cost from a team they trust. Rask Invest helps you automate your wealth creation and passive income. Simply click the link that says invest with Owen in your podcast player to join one of our live platform walkthroughs or book a call with us. You can also view the Rask Invest PDS and TMD and get invested with me.